Hello, and welcome to The Delicious Truth with Gloria Cotton. I'm Gloria. During this podcast, we're going to cover a variety of topics that are impacting our everyday lives. We'll look at four things for each topic. One, the absolute empirical truth. That's all about the facts and data. Then we'll look at the personal experiential truth. And that's about how those facts and others do and don't show up in people's lives and their experience of them. Next, the consequential, impactful truth. The difference this makes in people's lives. And finally, you'll hear about resources and solutions you can use to empower yourself and others. everyone, and welcome to this episode of The Delicious Truth with Gloria Cotton, and that's me. Today, I am so privileged to have Michael Barron, Dr. Michael Barron, joining me. Let me tell y'all a little bit about Michael, and we're going to be talking today, he and I are going to be talking about rethinking microaggressions and having a bold conversation with each other about it. Michael has a PhD in cultural anthropology and cognitive psychology. He's a social scientist. He worked at Harvard and taught there for a while. He's a DNI speaker. How do I know? Because I have the privilege of working with the man. He is an author. Y'all need to go and get his book right now, audio, hard copy, uh, or, uh, or Kindle. Make it happen. All right. The name of his book is Subtle Acts of exclusion. You can get it. I bought mine through uh, Amazon, but you can get it wherever you want to go. So he is an author and co-author of that book. Uh, he has practiced uh, in the world of diversity, equity, and inclusion for the last 20 years. You know what? I'm so happy to have this conversation with you today, Michael, on rethinking microaggressions. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Hey. Thank you, Gloria. I'm so happy to be here with you, as always. <clears throat> so we have a lot to talk about. First of all, can I jump into what in the world is a microaggression? How would you define that? Yeah, absolutely. So what people have meant by that term is those times when people aren't necessarily intending to cause harm to others or to exclude others. They might be trying to be funny or to bond with someone or to ask a question out of curiosity or even to compliment someone. But the impact that it has on the other person is very different, making mm -hmm. them feel excluded, making them feel bad, pain, right? And so that, that's what people have meant by microaggressions traditionally. Mm -hmm. I've heard it described as, <clears throat> excuse me, death by a thousand tiny cuts. That's mm -hmm. what I've heard. So if you take one time it happened, but this the accumul uh, accumulative, maybe not with that person, but in your life, if you've had people doing that. Give me some examples of what a microaggression might be. Yeah, sure. So um, for example, saying to um, a black man, you're so articulate, or you're so well-spoken, or uh, saying to a black woman, wow, you're so professional. Um, those are examples uh, of one kind, right? Or yeah. asking an Asian American, um, well, where are you from? Well, where are you really from, right? Or um, maybe cutting someone off, cutting women off in meetings more than men. Mm -hmm. Or maybe, um, you know, they can be really subtle things like, you know, maybe it's a blind person walking down the hall 
and people flatten themselves up against the, the wall to get out of his way. And they're trying to just be helpful. But to him, it feels like they're saying you're a burden or you're not normal. Mm-hmm. Um, so it uh, could be a range of things depending on someone's race and ethnicity or gender, sexuality, religion, size, disability, generation, all of that. Mm-hmm. Mm. You mentioned size. Um, I, I What popped into my mind was people saying, you're so pretty for a big girl. What? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, yep. I was telling you earlier, somebody said to me the other day, you sound so young. Mm-hmm. I'm 71 years old. I had a birthday last week. Yay. <laughs> hey. well, I mean, uh, and for, because this is timed differently, August 18th was my birthday. Yes. Thank you. So <laughs> Somebody said to me, oh, you don't sound like you're 70 years old. I said, well, how do you expect a 70-year-old to sound? Well, you sound like you're 30 or 40-something. I'm like, uh-huh, okay, so what What? What are you saying? And right. it's just the discounting of something about you um, mm-hmm. that people may sometimes be surprised about because they expected something different. Their yeah. biases is something different they were expecting. Yeah, and maybe they maybe they meant that as a compliment. There's all kinds of forms that might take that we've heard from people. You know, someone saying to to a gay man, "Well, you know, you don't even seem gay to me," or you know, something like that, right? Or even trying to compliment uh, someone uh, like, "Wow, you're not like the other millennials. You know, you're one of the good millennials, right?" All these things that people think might be compliments, and that is not the impact that they're having. Absolutely. Absolutely. It causes division of some kind. It feels like an insult. It feels like an insult, even though it's meant to be uh, something that acknowledges and lifts people up. So uh, do you find that we're talking more and more about microaggressions or subtle acts of exclusion now than before? Yeah, well, these have been going on forever, right? Um, They've been going on and there's such a serious problem, right? Um, That that is really, we really need to think about. Um, They keep happening to people with marginalized identities. They create pain, they create exclusion. Um, You know, they register, you know this, um, they do fMRI studies where they show that that kind of exclusion, whether it's subtle or not, actually registers in the same part of the brain as physical pain. Mm. So they're making people feel bad, excluded. They create physical and mental um, health issues for people because they keep happening. Like they're so serious. And we've been talking about them for a while. That term's been around since the 1970s. Um, And yet we haven't made any progress on them. And research shows that that's that's the thing that's really hard. It's there. People haven't heard of that term microaggressions. There's a lot of defensiveness that happens when they get brought up. So the term's been around and the concept's been around, but we're not really making progress on it. So that's what we try to do in the book and in the digital programs that I've been working on is really try to bring awareness in a new way and make some progress to unstick this thing that Mm. has felt so stuck for so long. Mm -hmm. A question, what's fMRI? You mentioned that. Um, Yeah, it's, you know, an MRI test. Mm -hmm. Um, So they do like a brain scan called an fMRI where they scan the brain and they can see which parts of the brain light up when they do certain stimuli. Okay, all right. So, wow, they're looking at the brain on some kind of x-ray or something like that? 
Yeah, it's like a okay. brain scan. Okay, all right, all right. So what are you hearing about, the, because there is this effort that people are putting into stopping? Is it, is it that we need to stop selects of aggression? Or I'm sorry, of uh, exclusion? Do we need to stop them? Or what is the goal? What is the goal? Yeah, well, that's an aspirational goal. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it'd be great if they never happen, but it's not realistic, right? Um, if we're really trying to connect across difference, to have authentic relationships um, with people who might be like us in some ways and not like us in other ways, if we're really trying to do that for real, we're going to commit subtle acts of exclusion for mm -hmm. sure. It's bound to happen, mm -hmm. right? So the goal is not to pretend like, we're perfect. And if something happens, it's like record scratch, stop the presses, someone did a subtle act of exclusion. But more like our goal is to commit to, you know, really understanding these and having authentic conversations about them, calling, calling them out when we see them, but in a way, and I've heard you say this before, calling them out, but in a way that calls the other person in. Mm -hmm. So we're really, we're bonding, we're improving how we think about this, how we connect with one another, how we talk with one another, and really just building connection over them. Mm -hmm. And that increases inclusion, that increases trust. That's so important for us to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I, I just want to clear something up because you said, I, I want to know, can anybody make the faux pas of interjecting a subtle act of exclusion. Can anybody be guilty of these microaggressions? Or Absolutely. is it only the uh, the people who are victimized by them? Is it only marginalized people who are victimized? Um, so that means that marginalized people don't use microaggressions? No, no, great question. The everyone commits them. Not only can it, can everyone commit them, everyone does commit them. Okay. Right? Because yeah. it's just so common. So, you know, you might be extra aware of the microaggressions that happen because of some of your identities, mm. right? But if you don't experience or you're not familiar with what other people might go through, then you're probably going to commit some subtle acts of exclusion when you're talking with them, when you're interacting with them. It's mm -hmm. just part of being a human and we should expect it to happen. You know, I think there's, there's a great story I tell about one of my young sons who was in a preschool, this great, fabulous preschool, where every day they repeated their values together every morning. And one of the values they had was we make mistakes. Mm. And I thought, that's so wonderful because that frees them up to be bold, to try new things, to try to grow and not to worry that if they make a mistake, every, oh, it's the end of the world. Yeah. And I want people to have that same spirit with these things too. We're mm -hmm. going to all commit them. It's okay. And what we want to do collectively is work on having discussions about them, mm -hmm. coming together, deciding we're not, we don't want them to happen. So we're going to do something about it collectively as an organization, maybe. And we're going to make some progress on it, but in a way that brings us closer together. Yeah. Wow. Now that's an aspiration. I can get my mm. arms around. I tell you, you know, <laughs> I heard you mention that story about your son's school talking about a mistake. And I, I think that is, 
that is so wonderful. And it took me back to when my children were small. I can't remember if it was uh, Sesame Street or it might have been Zoom or one of those children's programs, uh, child development programs. And there was a song, Oops, I Made a Mistake, That's All. And mistakes can happen to anyone. I said, oops, I made a mistake. That's all. And 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 what it was, it did a very musical way, which, of course, appealed to me as a musician. Um, but it was a very light and fun and musical way of saying, you know what? Human beings who are alive and have functionality, we're going to make some mistakes. You know what? So uh, don't kill yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, about it, you know, yeah. I mean, be aware. So how can we be aware? How can we become aware? Uh, let's say I'm talking with Jethro, my favorite imaginary person. Mm-hmm. I'm talking with Jethro and I say something that Jethro finds offensive. It's a, a subtle uh, actor. I'm saying Jethro, uh, you know, for a guy, you're just so sensitive. I cannot even believe how sensitive you are is so wonderful and so surprising and so rare. How is it that Jethro can let me know that those things that I said can have a mixed bag impact or just a flat out, they can have a positive impact, mm-hmm. but how, how, how he might think mm, she's not really that evolved after all. <laughs> how can you let me know. Yeah. So if you're the person that experiences that as a subtle act of exclusion, and we don't know, right? Jethro might experience that as a subtle act of exclusion one day and not the next, or Mm. might experience that as a subtle act of exclusion if you say it, but not if someone else says it. It's complicated stuff, right? But if he does and wants to, to have a conversation about it, or if someone else observes it and wants to say something as an ally, which is really important. And we can talk about that in a moment. Mm-hmm. But there, there are some good guidelines for how to do that productively. How? Right? how? I mean, first, okay. First, you got to start just with some quick self-analysis, right? Like um, what's going on with me physically, emotionally? What's the context? Who's around? Um, am I ready for this conversation? Just do some quick self-assessment. Mm-hmm. If you decide, yeah, I do want to say something in this moment. This is right. Then we suggest, rather than saying, wow, that was sexist, Gloria, because um, <laughs> what's your reaction going to be to that? I am not a sexist, right? Your character is being called into question, and you're going to dig into defensiveness. Mm-hmm. Instead of that, maybe try calling that other person in with, first, just pausing the action, making sure to say something, even if you don't know what you would want to say. Because yeah. sometimes we want to formulate the perfect thing in our head. And by the time we do, the moments pass and we don't say anything and that doesn't get us anywhere. So first with just a quick, simple, hold on, or can we pause? Or I don't even know yet what I'm feeling, but I'm feeling something, right? Can we talk about it? That's helpful. I like, I like that because I mean, after all Jethro, I'm just pretending you're Jethro. Mm -hmm. After all Jethro, if you try to rip a new pathway to my brain, you have to understand that I was just trying to compliment you. I mean, right. would you prefer that I said nothing? I mean, mm-hmm. you're not being, being very sensitive right now, Jethro, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that, that will help me not be defensive and maybe lean into 
understanding, wait a moment, you got my attention now and it's safe for me to find out what in the heck you're talking about. Right, exactly. Defensiveness is the enemy in these conversations, right? So Jethro, in this case, wants to avoid that in you. And one thing he can do also is assuming you had good intent, right? Mm -hmm. Simple things like explicitly, I assume your intentions were good. You might not even know why this is making me feel this way. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, rather than setting up an adversarial relationship, thinking about our relationship as the unit and something we're going to explore together. So this thing just happened. Can we talk about it? Can we explore together how we use those words? Um, and then Jethro can explain the impact that it had on him, which is also really important. So if he wants the conversation to go somewhere good, he's going to try to do all those things if he's following these guidelines. But you, Gloria have a huge responsibility as well, getting that feedback. And that's really important too. You've got to try to not get defensive. Instead of defending your intention, you've got to try to understand the impact that it had on him by asking questions even. Hey, can you tell me more about this? Or can you help me understand how this impacted you? And then you've also got to take that moment Mm -hmm. really seriously. If he's being vulnerable with you and sharing something that made him feel excluded, if you take that feedback poorly, you're going to create a barrier between you and Jethro. Mm -hmm. And if you take it well, you are going to build connection and trust. So mm -hmm. really thinking, okay, this is important to me. I want to listen. I really want to hear what this made him feel by explicitly thanking him. Thank you for saying that. I'm glad you, some, you, you said something. I want to grow with this. And then following up with him. Right? Wow. Doing some, maybe you do research on your own. Google why that's a problem. Think about mm -hmm. it. Self-explore and mm -hmm. say, right? I thought about what you said. Mm -hmm. Our relationship's important. I want to check back in with you. All of that. Mm. Okay. Wow. Okay. So I can see if my relationship with a person matters, because it sounds like work to me, Michael. It oh, sounds like work. I'm working and Jethro's working too. Um, but I like Jethro. I mean, let's say it's not Jethro now. Let's say it's you and me. Mm -hmm. And I like working with you, Michael. I, I respect you as a professional and uh, as a human being. I love you as a spirit. Mm -hmm. um, so, of course, I want our relationship to grow. So I will, you know, suck it up and do the work that I need to do. Uh, even self-reflection, as you're talking about, what might I have done? How can I do more? Enlist your help in even finding out, gee, Michael, I want to learn more about that. Can you mm -hmm. help me? Then I can see all that happening more easily with somebody I don't know. Because mm -hmm. I know mm -hmm. your intention, too. I know it's mutual and reciprocitous yeah. that we both want to grow trust and respect and all. That. We have it and we want to grow it. Yeah. But what about what would be the motivation, the inspiration? Where, you know what? I just met you. Okay. I'm in a meeting with you for the very first time. And you say, I want to be, you, you talk about being the low man on the totem pole. 
And you don't know that my Native American uh, ethnicity says, you don't know what in the world that means because mm-hmm. we use our finest artisans to do the work uh, for the that section of totem poles that's closest to the ground. So it's saying to me that you're ignorant. I do not feel respected right now. I don't want to educate you. I'm tired of educating you. Where can I find my inspiration, my motivation to have this talk so that Jethro can learn that that's an inappropriate thing to say? Mm, yeah, I'm so glad you asked that because people, you, you, you know this very well, People are sick of educating other people right now, especially, right? Yes. They're frustrated. They're sick of it. It's not, it shouldn't be always their responsibility. Um, so, you know, a couple things to say. First is, I mentioned allyship before, and this mm. is uh, an example of when allyship is really, really important. So you're feeling like you don't have the energy for that because you've been saying that so many times. You've been trying to educate people and it's frustrating. What if someone else who didn't feel that same frustration and didn't feel the same pain from that Mm -hmm. example was (laughs) able to speak up and say something to that person? Mm-hmm. Um, that someone who didn't have the same risk even for speaking up, mm. what a wonderful thing that would be if we could speak up, um, to support others. Even sometimes when people aren't in the room, there might not be a native American in the room. And I still say something yeah. because we still want to collectively get better mm-hmm. about that stuff. So that allyship is so critical, mm-hmm. um, because you don't always have the energy to do it. You don't always feel like doing it. And especially with people you don't know. I mean, if it's someone you're going to work with a lot, right, then that relationship, it might not be important yet, but it might be in the future. So it Mm -hmm. might be one where you want to invest the time, you know, with someone on uh, Facebook or Twitter, there's really no no relationship Mm -hmm. and you probably don't want to get engaged Mm -hmm. in having that conversation. And it's probably a fine decision to not do it. Um, right. Uh, yeah, but that, yeah. that allyship is so critical. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the things about allyship is having these conversations and, and we're having more and more and more of them. So I'm going to go back in a moment to my question of why are we having more and more of these conversations? Mm-hmm. As you said, we've been talking about microaggressions for more than 30 years now. Mm-hmm. So why is it that the energy around it is being stirred up. I mean, your book came out in March by July. Forbes is saying this is one of the top 11 books that mm-hmm. you need to be reading if you want to be more inclusive. Okay. So, I mean, this is serious. It's getting national attention. Um, sometimes people just suffer from burnout. Yes. I'm tired of talking about this. I'm tired. Everything I do is suspect. I'm tired of walking on eggshells. You know what? I'm just not going to go around you. And this is what, this is what has happened in the past. And so it actually promotes more division in the name of peace. It's division in the name. You know what? I won't even have to worry about offending you if I'm not around you. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? Oh yeah. 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 And that's where I see some people going. They just shut down. Not only do they uh, not bring people in, not only do they call them out, but they themselves push people away 
and they remove themselves. They mm-hmm. shut down. So what can we do? What can we do so that people don't shut down? Mm-hmm. Yeah, great question. I mean, the first thing, you know, again, the burden is on the people getting that feedback. If you react defensively, say you're someone who's speaking up about subtle acts of exclusion, and every time you do it, you're just met with defensiveness and denial, right? Are you going to have the energy to do that anymore? Are you just going to say, forget it? I'm I'm resigned that this is just going to keep happening, and I'm going to take care of myself because that's what I got to do but I know I am not going to have good conversations about this and we are not going to get you a better place. So it's building that awareness. That's building that awareness of how to react when you get the feedback and understanding of what these things are. So we can really have understanding about the issue in general. Mm. I mean, you know, you talked about why now, Mm -hmm. and I think that's such a great question because for two reasons, Um, first, why now? You know, because with all the new awareness for many people about issues related to race and racism and exclusion and other sorts of ways, for many people, they're talking about these issues maybe for the first time ever, or at least in a new way. And they're, they're trying to build those muscles for having conversations about this, for speaking up and As they do it, they're committing subtle acts of exclusion all over the place. Mm -hmm. So so that's an important reason for why now, like right now. And then also, um, the thing is, there's so much injustice, pain, violence, exclusion that's been happening for hundreds of years. Mm -hmm. Some of it is so explicit and visible, right? And you see it on the news and, you know, on your Facebook feed, you see it, even if you don't want to see it. Um, And some of it flies under the radar. And that might be structural inequities. It might be unconscious biases. It might be these subtle acts of exclusion. And as we collectively build an awareness for all that stuff that's kind of below the waterline and the iceberg of injustice, um, we're bringing those out into the open in a new way. And hopefully, we are, if some people say, we've been talking about this stuff forever. Why are we still talking about it? You know what? We've never really addressed it. We've yeah. never really tried to get to a place where people are equally valued, considered good and respected and mm-hmm. normal. And so when we do that, we've got to look at the explicit stuff and the subtle stuff. We've got to address it all if we really want to get to that place Mm -hmm. for real. Mm -hmm. So this is the time to talk about it. Mm. Oh, you know, I because I have been one to say that we haven't talked about it. But you know what? I'm rethinking that right now because we talk about how we are victimized with other people who have been victimized as we have. Mm -hmm. Let me say that again. We talk about being victimized with other people who have been or potentially will be victimized as we have. So whatever I've been uh, marginalized about, if it's because of my race, black, white, brown, uh, red, or, or I I don't even want to say yellow, but yellow. Okay. So if I've, 
any one of those, I talk with other people like myself because I want that safety. I want that validation. I want, oh my goodness, this is just coming through. Um, I want those things, but it, that won't help mm-hmm. until I talk with the person who's victimizing so that that person will be incentivized. I got to talk to them in a way that they'll be incentivized to not victimize me because it's something in it for them. Whoa, that's a lot of stuff right there. (laughs) I've been victimized by Jethro. He does or he doesn't care, but he may be tired of hearing me talk about that. And so I'm I'm anticipating he doesn't want to hear it anyway. People just like Jethro all my life, I'm sick of them. So here we go. I'm talking with other people who have been marginalized like I have around that by Jethro. And even if it's not about the same thing, have you been marginalized by Jethro? Me too. So now I've got my tribe with me, but nobody's talking with Jethro. We're attacking Jethro, but we're not having, and Jethro's doing the same thing back to us because he doesn't want to change. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at these separate conversations that we've been having, both of them disrespectful about disrespectful things many times. And I'm wondering, do we have the energy? How do we get the energy to talk with the other person? How do we, I know how do you do it, but how do we incentivize ourselves, Michael, Mm -hmm. to have those conversations? Yeah, well, especially now, right? When people are feeling, you know, we we talk with people, you know, our, our day jobs are diversity, equity, and inclusion practitioners, and we often start out whatever sessions we're doing asking people, "How are you doing these yeah. days?" And these days, what we're hearing is people are tired and exhausted and frustrated and angry and sometimes hopeless. So, how do you do it now, especially, mm-hmm. right? And you know. I think the the big thing is the burden has to be on people to do the work. The ones who are doing the oppressing have to start doing the work and, and have to start calling one another in. White people need to talk to white people about this stuff yeah, yeah. and stop putting the burden on black people to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, do the work and maybe maybe if you show signs that you're really willing to grow, not just put up with conversations, but really grow, then people will find new energy to have those conversations. Yeah. And I think black people need to, this is not just everybody, just one group having the burden because it is people with disabilities have to talk with themselves and people who don't have disabilities. Mm-hmm. People who don't have disabilities have to talk with themselves and people who do have disabilities. So black people have to talk with black people. So we're then ready to have those conversations with white people, even though we're tired. Um, And white people have to talk with themselves. So they're ready to listen and share their experience. Mm -hmm. So I I think we have done ourselves a disservice in saying that one group has the burden. We have different burdens. Mm -hmm. We have different coming from our place of privilege and inclusion or, lack of position power, privilege, and exclusion. Yeah. What do you think about that when I say Yeah, different burdens for sure. And I think depending on what dimension of diversity you're talking about, you can be privileged in one dimension and not in another. Yeah. But in those cases where you are, 
using that privilege to advocate and to lift, you know, to support, to provide space for others. I think it's so important with this. You Um, give us stuff to think about, Michael Barron. (laughs) You earned that PhD, baby. Oh my goodness. You're very sweet. Um, I mean, the other thing, I was talking with someone about this the other day that's so interesting. I think people really want to be understood. Mm. And that doesn't just mean like my individual experiences, right? Like, can you understand my experience, but can you understand all the things in our history that kind of led to that experience? Um, What my parents went through, what my grandparents went through, how, you know, historically structures were set up to create inequalities and injustices. Um, I don't know. It feels like you kind of need to understand all of it to really understand where people are coming from. And that's a lot. That's not easy. No, it's not easy. It's not easy, particularly when some people have not a clue about what you're talking about, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I'm dealing with ignorance everywhere and it's difficult sometimes not to be judgmental because I'm tired. Cause I'm tired, you know? Wow. It's just, you're giving, you're giving us so much to think about Michael. And, and I appreciate that. So we're almost at the end of our time. I hate it. I hate it. I I, I have to start doing two hour podcasts. (laughs) So what is, if you just had to come up with three words of guidance, three, not words, three things to guide people on what we can do to stop victimizing people with small acts of exclusion, stop excluding people with subtle acts of exclusion. Mm -hmm. What would those three things be? Mm, It will help. It will help if we do what? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I'm trying to narrow down my three. I know. Um, Give me five. Let's be generous. <laughs> well, first is to respond to feedback with gratitude. We all, okay, I don't want to say all, almost all of us want to be better people. Many and of us. Many of us. <laughs> when we get feedback about something that we said or did that could have been done better, um, just accept that for the gift that it is that mm-hmm. someone risked their own safety and comfort to, to share that with us. And what an opportunity for us to grow as individuals, for us to grow the relationship, to improve our performance. Um, if we work together, mm-hmm. right. Our collaboration. So that's one, um, to do it collectively. It's great. And if an individual um, reads this book and has these ideas and incorporates in, it into their life, that's great. But if we do it collectively as an organization where we all agree we're going to get on board with this, where we all understand the different guidelines for what to do as an ally, what to do if you experience a selective exclusion, how to get feedback, if we all understand that and we're engaged in it collectively, mm-hmm. now that's powerful. Um, And we can really get somewhere. And then, you know, commit to not being perfect, but to fumbling and stumbling through it together. Um, 
to recognize, to feel empowered that, okay, when you think about historical injustice, unconscious bias, subtle acts of exclusion, it feels so huge. It feels so heavy. It feels so much. And it is. And it is. And yet, we can do something about it. We can more intentionally create policies and procedures and practices that create more equity. We can do things to reduce our unconscious biases or to speak up when they happen. We can do things to, com- to connect with others around these topics. Like We can do it if we just put the thought and effort into it. And so that's what I want to leave people with is a sense of we can do it. We can do it best when we do it collectively. And we got to just commit to it. Wow, thank you. It, if just a bottom line, it we, you know, we are walking away from one another. We're fleeing. We're exodusing from relationships uh, with each other, and that's just the opposite. Um, I was taught years ago that human beings don't like an information void, and if we can't fill it with something that's positive, we will fill it. Mm-hmm. with something that's negative because we just want to have the answers to why and now what. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we can give each other the scripts of our lives and and educate and now be in this play together. Let's mm-hmm. be in this play together um, by sharing things about one another. There's some serious work I got to do before I'm willing to come to the uh, to the room. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> Sit down and talk with you and listen to you as you share with me about your life and I share with you about mine. Mm-hmm. To feel safe to do that, but all if that doesn't happen, if we don't build those relationships, mm-hmm. I don't see how we're going to have sustainable um, impact. Yeah, absolutely. It is work, and it's so rewarding and worth it when it goes well, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I sometimes think of it like learning a foreign language. It's so hard. It's so much work. And when you actually do it and can communicate with people in their language, it's one of the most fulfilling things that I've ever experienced on this planet. Yeah. Um, so it's worth it. Me too. Me too. When uh, when I was touring uh, as a musical artist, um, all the countries that I went to, I had a dictionary. This was before we had phones with the dictionary <laughs> already built in and that sort of thing. So I had a dictionary for every country that I went to um, where the language was different. Um, even if they spoke English, as most people do, but I didn't want to be, I wanted to speak their language. And I underscored in dog-eared pages <laughs> for things that I needed to know for mm-hmm. sure. Where's the baño? I want to know how to get to the bathroom quick. Uh, so I did those things, but we're, I don't know that we are doing that with and for each other. I don't know that we're trying to understand much less speak someone else's language. Mm-hmm, exactly. I, I don't know that we're doing that. No. Um, and, but as you say, it's so rewarding when we do one, mm-hmm. we can stop fighting so much. Hello. <laughs> yes. Just saying. Uh Michael, tell us about how people can find out more about subtle acts of exclusion. How can they find out more about Dr. Michael Barron? (laughs) Well, you can find out more about me and Inquest Consulting at inquestconsulting.com. You can find information about the book at subtleactsofexclusion.com. 
I love to connect with people on LinkedIn, Twitter, all those other good places. So you can find me there. I do have a newsletter too, which you can sign up for at michaeldbaron.com. And um, I look forward to all the engagement around this. That is so lovely. I, I I have discovered new ways to connect with you right here <laughs> on this podcast. I want to thank you so much. I'm not into there your newsletter. What's up with that? Oh my gosh! I'm going to correct that as soon you as this is over. Signed up. <laughs> thank you so much, Michael. This has been such an honor, and a privilege, and a pleasure. Your being with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Gloria. It's and my I have, privilege. I have one thing to say to you before we go, darling. Mm-hmm. You know I respect you. I love you. And you know what, Michael? What? There's a hug in your future. If you want <laughs> I hope that future is soon. I Me really too. Do. Me too. Thank darling. you so much, Gloria. Thank I you. really appreciate this. Thank you. Take care. All right. You too. Bye bye. Okay. Another wonderful session. This time with my friend and colleague, Michael Barron, about microaggressions and subtle acts of exclusion. Here's some takeaways from that that are important to me. Guess what? We all do them innocently and not innocently. But every single human being who is thinking and functioning and communicating says things that can sometimes offend people. Sometimes, and that's really the bottom line of it, things that can offend people that do not demonstrate disrespect or dignity for the other person as they need it to be. Uh, And sometimes it sounds like an offhanded compliment. Um, The intention is often to be complimentary, but is often the impact of it and the feeling is that it's offensive. So, you know, we have to look at most of us don't lay awake at night trying to think in 10 different ways that people can be turned off by us or we can insult people. So looking at that, how do we then go about turning that thing around so that even when we do make a faux pas, and we will, when we stumble and fumble and make a faux pas, that it won't blow up the battleship, it won't blow up the relationship, we can continue to build bridges instead of barriers. So I heard him say some of the reasons we don't do it is exhaustion, fear of what might happen, fatigue, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I'm tired. Let me stay asleep. I don't want to be woke. (laughs) So it's all of those things that can get in our way. Our history can get in our way and our anticipatory grief can get in the way. So identify what are some things we can do. One, be allies to ourselves. That's the first thing, y'all. Please don't start having a conversation with somebody else until you had a conversation with yourself. Why are you having this conversation? Otherwise, you might just throw up all over people. What I've been saying is we vomit over one another and then wonder why they don't like the stench. Okay, so um, looking at being our own best ally, then practicing maybe with people that we have relationship where we welcome, value, respect here and understand one another. Talk it through. Help me understand. How did I mess up? This is about asking people to be advocates and allies to and for us. Then having a conversation with people that we might have offended. Of course, in the moment, you can say, I'm sorry, but don't try to get deep in the moment because you are ill prepared. Okay. This is really, really important because more and more and more, we're having people who want to have these conversations, but we're not having them in ways that have the result that we always want. 
So keep in mind, we have to honor our intention, look at what can sink us and get in the way, and then take some steps with the help of others so that we can be in this together. And it feels like together is not a bad word. Those are my takeaways from this marvelous thing. We all need one another, y'all. Come on, let's make some beautiful music together. All right. You take care. And you know what? As always, there's a hug in your future if you want one. Love you. Bye.